Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Leslie Marshall probably looking at me tweaking my hair like you know this is what I do before I'm on TV I do this little twirly thing people always laugh make hair makeup people camera people uh craziness anyway happy Friday what a week and what a week ahead of us um I'm enjoying the warm weather here in Southern California 82 degrees right now hence my wearing short sleeves and it's uh it's a beautiful sunny day a little bit of haze other than that not too uh not too many clouds i hope it's uh beautiful where you are i'm leslie marshall welcome or welcome back only true democracy and talk thank you for watching me on periscope here on twitter on facebook live on youtube live listening to me on radio on stream on podcast wherever you get your great podcast or listen to us what are we on you know itunes and you know, Apple, all the places. I'm, I'm probably going to list the wrong ones or forget some of the right ones. So you know where they are. We have a great show in store. Uh, a buddy of mine hasn't been on the program in a bit. So glad to have him back with us. Olivier Knox will be joining us later in the hour. But right now, let's kick it and check on this Friday what's ripped. When Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar, who, who, by the way, in case you forget about him, he was the one that slapped... Uh, that pedophile on the uh, wrist who is now dead, as uh, you remember. Anyway, when Health and Human, I digress. When Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar announced this week that the federal government would begin releasing coronavirus vaccine doses that were held in reserve for those second shots. No such reserve existed. That's according to state and federal officials briefed on distribution plans. Now, I have to tell you this. I was listening to a local uh, report on our local NPR uh, affiliate here uh, in Southern Cal, one of them KPCC in Los Angeles, and they were talking to um, you know different people who had got their first shot or helped their parents or grandparents get their first shot. They're having trouble getting through uh, to make an appointment or to get their place in line or to find out where they need to go for the second shot. Maybe this is one of the reasons. Trump administration has already begun shipping out what was available. That began at the end of last month in December and taking second doses directly off the manufacturing line. Now, health officials across the country had anticipated their extremely limited vaccine supply as much as doubling beginning next week. They're confronted with the reality that their allocations remain largely flat 
And that dashes hopes of dramatically expanding access for millions of elderly people and those with high-risk medical conditions. Health officials in some cities and states were informed in recent days about the reality of the situation. Others are still in the dark. I just read before we came on um, that the second or third uh, strain that's going to be most deadly is going to hit us en masse in March. Are we even going to be vaccinated from you know, the first strain uh, by the time that comes around with the size of our nation and with the really slow and faulty rollout um, of this uh, vaccine. Both of the vaccines authorized for emergency use in this country, both of them, Pfizer and Moderna, are two-dose regimens. Uh, the initial policy from the Trump administration was to hold back those second doses, and they wanted to protect against the possibility of manufacturing disruption. But that approach shifted in recent weeks. That's according to the officials. Of course, they remain anonymous. Um, they were not authorized to discuss the matter. But what they said is they were told that Operation Warp Speed, which is overseeing the distribution of vaccines, and ahead of that will be released uh, um, with, with the new administration coming in. And that's normal. That's not punishment. That's normal. When you have a administration change, you have the players in that administration change. Uh, anyway, Operation Warp Speed is overseeing the distribution of vaccines. They stopped stockpiling second doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine at the end of this past year. The last shots held in reserve of Moderna's supply, meanwhile, began shipping out just this weekend. Now, the shift in both of those cases had to do with increased confidence in the supply chain so that Operation Warp Speed leaders felt they could reliably anticipate the availability of doses for booster shots required three weeks later in the case of Pfizer-BioNTech product and four weeks later under Moderna's protocol. Now, but it also meant there was no stockpile of second doses waiting to be shipped. Um, that was suggested by Trump administration officials earlier this week. Uh, Azar, at a briefing Tuesday this week, said, because we now have a consistent pace of production, we can now ship all of the doses that have been held in physical reserve. Now, he explained the decision as part of the next phase of the nation's vaccine campaign. Those in line for their second shots, they are expected to get them on schedule. States are still getting regular vaccine shipments. But state and local officials say they're angry. They're bewildered by the shifting directions and changing explanations of the supply. It is confusing. The health director in Oregon, for example, Patrick M. Allen, so disturbed that he wrote Azar yesterday demanding an explanation. He said, quote, earlier today, we became concerned when we discovered there were no additional doses available for allocation. That letter was reviewed by the Washington Post. And on a call with Perna earlier the same day, Allen wrote, the four-star Army general, quote, informed me, informed us, there is no reserve of doses and we are already receiving the full allocation of vaccines. He said, if true, this is extremely disturbing and puts our plans to expand eligibility at grave risk. So just to, to be clear, when people want to recall Gavin Newsom and get angry at any governor, especially if they're a Democrat, and especially if the one throwing stones is a conservative Republican, you got to cut some of these governors, if not all, some slack. Because what's happening is they're being told, here's half, here's dose one. Oh, my bad. Those were all your doses. Okay. So now they have all those doses. They have vaccinated this segment of their population, this elderly, this segment of their elderly population. They have to do round two on those people before round one, because we're talking about a time sensitivity issue here. Okay. Um, and uh, those plans, he said, Alan added, were made on the basis of a reliance on your statement about releasing the entire supply you have in reserve. If the information is accurate, 
we will be unable to begin vaccinating our vulnerable citizen, uh, seniors on January 23rd as planned. Now, the HHS spokesman, Michael Pratt, confirmed in an email that the final reserve of second doses had been released to states for order over the weekend. It did not address the comments by Azar. He said, quote, Operation Warp Speed has been monitoring manufacturing closely and always intended to transition from holding second doses in reserve as manufacturing stabilizes and we gained confidence in the ability for a consistent flow of vaccines. He also said states have ordered only about 75% of what's available to them. And there's a reason for this. Let me give this again. First on the list are people in residential facilities, nursing homes, assisted living, right? You have the state, you have the federal government shipping, the state receiving, the state coordinating locally now with private companies, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, to then coordinate with the privately owned and operated um, assistant living or uh, nursing home facilities. This is part of the problem. There's just too many links in the chain, so you get too many kinks in the chain, okay? Now, uh, January 8th, there was an announcement by President-elect Joe Biden's transition team that his administration would move to release all the available doses rather than holding half in reserve for booster shots. Biden's advisor said the way, the move would be a way to accelerate, accelerate, excuse me, distribution and celebrate uh, a distribution of the vaccine that is in short supply across the country. So Azar actually embraced the change four days later. He initially said it was short-sighted, potentially unethical to put people at risk of missing their booster shots, but he did not say the original policy had already been phased out or that the stockpile had been exhausted. And that signaled to states that they would soon see expanded supply. He urged them to begin vaccinating adults 65 and older and those under 64 with a high-risk medical condition. But officials in some states, although they embraced that directive, some said suddenly they had hundreds of thousands of additional people at the front of the line. They were overwhelmed with the capacity of need versus the amount of vaccines available to be given. Let's rip another. President-elect Biden has called for a $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief plan last night. That includes money to combat the spread of the virus, vaccinate millions of Americans, and provide direct relief to individuals in the form of an additional $1,400 in cash payments. Now, for those of you saying, where's my two grand? You need Republicans to agree, and you need Democrats like Joe Manchin, who are Democrats only in letter, to agree. Um, and you also need to have the money, and we need to be able to balance getting people checks, getting people vaccines, okay? Um, so anyway, uh, this matters because Biden's American Rescue Plan is his opening bid to Congress on the first of two massive proposals requiring approval in the House and the Senate. And he'll return next month in February in his first address to Congress to ask for additional infrastructure spending. That's what Axios reported. It was confirmed last night by the Biden administration and by Biden himself. Quote, I know what I just described does not come cheaply, but failure to do so will cost us dearly. The big picture, Biden has said COVID-19 and its economic effects are the two biggest problems Americans are currently facing in less than a week before becoming president giving a pre-inaugural address outlining his legislative plan for coping with them, as well as previewing what he plans to do administratively. I'm Leslie Marshall. Quick break. When we come back, more ripped from the headlines right after this. And then later, Olivia Knox is our guest on Golan. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy and Talk. Let's continue with the second half of the first hour in what's uh, checking. 
from those headlines. The Capitol Police today said that it had opened an investigation into whether members of Congress inappropriately gave visitors access to the Capitol ahead of the storming of the building past this past week. Now, this was after not one, but several lawmakers raised concerns that their own colleagues might have allowed members of a pro-Trump mob in say, inside uh, just uh, days leading up to that assault. Now, the inquiry came to light as Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced that she had named Russell L. Honore, a retired Army lieutenant general, to lead a security review of the Capitol in the wake of that riot, in which a throng of President Trump's supporters rampaged through the building and a deadly security failure that put the lives of lawmakers and the vice president at risk. Pledging accountability for those behind the January 6th siege, Ms. Pelosi warned that if any Republican members of the House had aided the rioters as they sought to advance Mr. Trump's effort to overturn the election results, they would be punished. She also said that she had spoken with the Secretary of the Army and the Secret Service Director to ensure that the necessary resources were in place to prevent a repeat at President-elect Joseph R. Biden Jr.'s inauguration next week. Quote, in order to serve here together, we must trust that people have respect for their oath of office, respect for this institution, she said. And she went on to say, if in fact it is found that members of Congress were accomplices to this insurrection, if they aided and abetted the crimes, there may have to be action taken beyond the Congress in terms of prosecution for that. Uh, this was led by Representative Mickey Sherrill, a New Jersey Democrat and former Navy pilot. She said more than 30 uh, and there were more than 30 lawmakers with her that called uh, Wednesday this week for an investigation into visitors access um, to the Capitol uh, before the riot and specifically the day before the riot. In a letter to the acting House and Senate Sergeant at Arms and the Capitol Police, the lawmakers, many of whom served in the military, and said they were trained to recognize suspicious activity, demanded answers about what they described as an extremely high number of outside groups let into the Capitol on January 5th at a time where most tours were restricted because of the coronavirus pandemic. Now, um, on Friday, today, Eva Malaki, a spokesperson, said the Capitol Police uh, were looking into the issue. She said the matter is under investigation. Ms. Pelosi said she had asked Mr. Honore who helped coordinate the military relief efforts around Hurricane Katrina to coordinate and conduct an immediate review of the Capitol's security infrastructure, interagency processes, procedures, command, and control. We must subject this whole complex, though, to scrutiny in light of what happened, she said, adding that House committees would begin conducting their own investigations into what took place. Now, we know that one man who is still at large and being hunted by the FBI alleges that he actually sat down and met with two congressional members uh, prior to this. Uh, there are a lot of allegations coming out about that. We will see what happens. All I can say is if any of our elected officials had anything to do with this, whether they were showing people around where people's offices were and helping them, you're aiding and abetting, right? Whether they sat down and urged people you know, to, to come and do this and were involved, as we're hearing now, some might have been, they can't just be censured. You know, they, they, and they can't just be kicked out. They, they have to be punished uh, criminally. And that's my opinion. Let's rip another. And here is Speaker Pelosi echoing my sentiments. Take a listen. When we're talking about security, we have to talk about truth and trust. In order to serve here with each other, we must trust that people have respect for their oath of office 
respect for this institution. We must trust each other, respecting the people who sent us here. We must also have the truth, and when and that will be looked into. Uh, the uh, if in fact it is found that members of Congress were accomplices to this insurrection, if they aided and abetted the crime, there may have to be actions taken beyond the Congress and, and uh, in terms of prosecution. We really lost our innocence in this because we always prepared to protect and defend from all enemies foreign. But the Constitution also, also says, and domestic. And now we have to protect ourselves from enemies domestic. How close within the, the investigation uh, will will let us will let us know. And let's rip another. Now, speaking of close and closeness, the violent mob that stormed the U.S. Capitol on January sixth came very close to Vice President Pence. He was not evacuated from the Senate chamber for about 14 minutes after the Capitol Police reported the initial attempted breach of the complex. Now, that was enough time uh, for uh, those domestic terrorists to rush inside the building and approach his location. That's according to law enforcement officials. That's also very visible in video footage from that day. I believe I posted that on social media uh, yesterday. Secret Service officers eventually spirited the vice president to a room off the Senate floor. They also had his wife and daughter there because rioters began to pour into the Capitol and many loudly denouncing the vice president as a traitor as they marched through the first floor below the Senate chamber. Now, about one minute after Pence was hustled out of the chamber, 60 seconds, a group charged up the stairs to a second floor landing in the Senate, chasing a Capitol Police officer who drew them away from the Senate. Pence and his family had just ducked into a hideaway less than 100 feet from that landing, according to three people who were familiar with his whereabouts. Um, and because of the sensitivity of the situation, obviously aren't identifying themselves. Now, if the pro-Trump mob had arrived seconds earlier, 60 seconds earlier, the attackers would have been in eyesight of the vice president as he was rushed across a reception hall into the office. The proximity of the January 6th mob to the vice president and the delay in evacuating him from the chamber, which had not been previously reported, raises questions about why the Secret Service did not move him earlier and underscored the jeopardy that top government leaders faced during the siege. As an increasingly hostile and violent, and I'm sorry, I, th I think that there are a lot of good police officers in the Secret Service, um, you know, but if, if, if you were one of those heroes of the Capitol Police, you're a hero. You know, but, but, but if you neglected your duty and you put these people at risk, you, you should not be a police officer because your job is to serve and protect. And if, if you are a Secret Service, your, your job is to take a bullet for the president or the vice president. And if you were negligent in getting him out because you weren't taking these things seriously or whatever the reason, you should not be uh, in that line of duty. You're putting the others at harm, not just those you protect, but those that work alongside you, uh, by the way. Um, so Secret Service did not move him earlier. Uh, questions about that? Uh, it underscores the jeopardy the top government leaders faced during that siege. This, this, this is not rhetoric. 
And as an increasingly hostile and violent crowd surrounded the Capitol, Pence remained center stage presiding over a joint session of Congress for more than an hour after the Capitol Police chief said he alerted his superiors that his force was being overrun and needed emergency reinforcements. The potential exposure of the VP underscores how law enforcement agencies struggle to manage the rapidly expanding crisis in real time. Now, many of those in the mob they did have their sights on Pence. They were enraged that he refused uh, the president's demand to head off the Electoral College count, the formalized president-elect Joe Biden's victory. And according to the FBI, one man who was charged this week with trespassing and disorderly conduct after making his way into the Senate chamber said in a YouTube video, quote, once we found out Pence turned on us and that they had stolen the election, like officially the crowd went crazy. I mean, it became a mob. And this is what they chanted, hang Mike Pence. And they had a noose and gallows outside ready to do that. They shouldn't just be charged with trespassing and disorderly conduct. They should be charged with attempted, uh, the, uh, the uh, att intent to attempt murder. I'm Leslie Marshall. of back. We have back with us Olivier Knox. He used to be a regular guest on the show and then he was really busy doing some other stuff. But now he is the new anchor of the Daily 202 at the Washington Post. It's a midday newsletter about politics and policy. He actually joined the Post from Sirius XM where he was chief Washington correspondent. He hosted a live three hour show each weeknight focused on politics, foreign policy and quirky corners of the federal government. Before that, he reported for Yahoo News and hosted a weekly Yahoo branded radio show and from July 2018 to 2019, he was president of the White House Correspondents Association. Olivier got his start as a reporter at Agence France Press, for which he eventually covered all eight years of the George W. Bush administration. You can find The Daily 202 by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash The Daily 202. Be sure to follow Olivier on Twitter, where his handle is at O-Knox. That's O-K-N-O-X. Olivier, Happy New Year, and welcome back to the show, and congrats as being the new anchor of The Daily 202 at The Washington Post. Thank you very, very much. It's a pleasure to be back. Happy New Year to you and yours. And happy uh, happy New Year again. Um, yes, Washington Post, one of the places that um, I, I love to read uh, opinion on, but I also know that if you guys put it out there, it, it's, uh, it's factual, and that's not the case with every place out there that's putting things out there. Um, you know, we, we have uh, the outgoing ratings, uh, uh, approval ratings for Donald Trump. We have the incoming ratings for President-elect uh, Joe Biden. Let's take a look at Trump's approval ratings. It seems to have fallen to a new low. 29% um, is what I'm seeing, according to a new Pew Research uh, Center poll that was released today. And that's 29% of Americans approve of the job that he's doing in office. It's by far the lowest rating he has received during his presidency. More than two in three Americans, 68%, disapprove of his handling of the job. Um, uh, uh, first thing, you know, are you surprised? I'm certainly not. As a matter of fact, I think it should be lower after what happened on January 6th. Well... I don't know that I'm surprised necessarily, but it does bear noting how incredibly stable his approval rating had been for four years and how incredibly stable the polling was um, in the uh, in the in the campaign. I mean, it just it, it, it felt for a while like no matter what he did, he was going to keep his hold on that 40 percent, 45 percent, whatever it was of Americans. So. 
I'm I I I, I did expect him to pay uh, a political price for um, the the speech he gave the uh, the. Uh, incitement that he gave to the, the crowds that eventually descended on the Capitol, stormed it, and ransacked it um, with the goal of overturning the election. So I, I'm not that surprised, I guess, but I, it just makes me wonder at all the different things that happened over the last four years and, and how stable his approval rating had been. Definitely. Um, you know, Richard Nixon is somebody that allegedly the president doesn't like to be compared to, but you have to look at comparisons because he is just uh, three percentage points above where Nixon was. Uh, that was 26% of Americans approved of Richard Nixon's job performance when he resigned from office in disgrace. Does this low approval rating mean that the majority of the GOP will no longer be supporting Trumpism and does it make it almost impossible for him to run in 2024, or do we look at the fact that so many Americans have a short memory and he could have a resurrection of sorts? It's not just the, the short memory, Leslie. It's the fact that majorities of Republicans think um, that uh, they approve of what he has done. Um, they, uh, they are not as critical of the uh, January 6th riots um, as independents or Democrats. Uh, and the fact that he's kept a hold, I mean, on on those Trump on those Trump voters, you know, he's done something. He started out as a lifestyle brand. He converted that into a political brand, and not, now I suspect he's going to convert it back to a lifestyle brand. I wouldn't expect. I would not be surprised if there were a Donald Trump store selling MAGA hats um, from now through 2024. So I don't think that those poll numbers uh, forestall uh, a, a possible 2024 campaign by Donald Trump. I will also note that as he leaves office. Uh, he's uh, reinstalled his choice to run the Republican National Committee. So he has a core of support in Republicans. He has uh, a hold on the party machinery. You can see, I mean, even after the, the, the rampage, the riots inside the Capitol, an overwhelming majority of House Republicans uh, voted to overturn the election. So mm -hmm. no, I don't think this is the death knell of, of Trump's political ambitions at all. Now, a lot can happen between now and 2024. That's obviously a cliche. Um, but you know, what happens if, what happens if he's welcomed out of office with, I don't know, the, uh, a district attorney in New York, you know, formally charging him with financial hanky banky. You just, we just don't know. There's just, there are too many variables here. Oh no. Uh, and you know, absolutely. I know some people think, oh, he'll be gone. But when you look at the numbers in this poll, um, 60 percent of Republicans approve of Trump's job performance. Now, that's down from 77 percent. Some people may say, whoa, a 17 percent drop. But some also could say just a 17 percent drop. He still has a 60 percent, more than half majority there um, of Republican voters um, who, who continue to right. approve of him. Um, right. You know, having said that, Olivia, you have covered Washington and politicians and presidents for a very long time, the majority of your career. Have you ever seen this cult-like blind following of a politician before? Uh, well, not in this country. <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't. I, I don't think I. I don't think I have. I mean, again, as I said, he 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 came in with. I mean, let's pause and and reflect on the fact that it turns out that The Apprentice may be the most important television show in American history. Um, but uh, but no, I have not seen something like this. But remember, he came in with all this celebrity power and entertainer. Uh, power and the rest of it. And he converted it to political power. Um, I don't know what he wants to do. He's taken steps that certainly suggest that he wants to keep um, influencing 
Republican voters. And that means, of course, influencing Republican House members, Republican senators. Um, the, uh, you know, there were times when the in the Obama era, when Republicans rolled their eyes and said, oh, dear, cult of personality. Um, I definitely did not see that in the Clinton era. Um, uh, I did not see much of that in the W era. Um, but in, in this instance, and we're going to see it tested uh, in, in, you know, as he as he leaves the scene, how does he stay relevant? How does he remain a voice? He's not on Twitter anymore. Um, how does he keep that? How does he keep that going? I will add for any other politician, any other presidential, any other president, sixty percent approval inside your party, we would all be going, oh no. Um, as it, that's not a good number, just right. to be clear. Um, but the it, again, you right. You were right earlier about talking about short memories. We are starting to see the GOP gear up to counter the messaging and and the uh, and the facts on the ground from January sixth. Uh, so a lot can happen. Yeah, especially if they look at, are we better off with or without Trump numbers wise? And in the House and the Senate and the White House, they're not. Uh, they're seeing losing support. Uh, they're seeing so many people who are blaming, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump uh, for inciting uh, what happened uh, last week on January 6th. But, you know, you, you know, I agree with you, Olivier, even though they're short memories, if he does enough rallies, because that's really what he liked, I think, about being president the most. Uh, were rallies where he could just stand there and talk about himself and, you know, where people yelled out, I love you. I mean, you know, seriously, he, you know, Freud would have a field day with this man. Um, and, and I, and, you know, and that may happen. He may not have a voice on Twitter, but you know, he could develop another persona and people would know it's him, or he could use so many of his children or people that, you know, work around him to be his voice online as well. He won't entirely be silenced. That's that's true. But Twitter was unique in that it let him do this entirely on his terms. You know, he had he had a he had a press pool following him the last couple of weeks. Right. He had that small group of reporters who can, at the snap of a president's fingers, reach six billion humans. OK, he didn't use it. Um, he could have used the, the White House website. Um, he didn't use it. Uh, so the the appeal to the appeal of Twitter for him was that it was unidirectional, really, um, and that he could do it. He could do it entirely on his own terms. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he'll hide behind a, a a fake name the way he used to when he called up the New York Post, page six. Um, <laughs> but he's got he's got a lot of other alternatives. Yeah, def definitely. Um, we're we're going to be taking a break uh, before we talk. Well, yeah, I'm just going to ask you a quick question. You had mentioned. Uh, the insurgency. We're now um, hearing that some Capitol riot rioters meant to capture and assassinate officials. Um, you know, inside the Beltway, Olivier, are any of these people going to be charged with conspiracy to commit murder or attempted murder that you have heard? Which these people? You mean the people who who rampaged in the in the Capitol? Uh, the people that meant to capture and assassinate. Oh officials yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the reason we know this, the reason we know this, know this is that it's in it's in actual uh, court filings. Um, so, yes. And what's coming out is is pretty clear that some proportion of the people who stormed the Capitol, who broke down its doors, who shattered its windows and who went room to room hunting for for lawmakers. There's a, a, we've got pretty strong indications that a lot of these folks are going to face some pretty serious charges. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about uh, what happened on Capitol Hill on the uh, Jan January 6th, the domestic terrorism, the rioters, the insurgency, the ransacking. Uh, we'll be back with our guest, Olivier Knox, right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. Like I said on Twitter, follow him at OKNOX, O-Knox. 
And be sure to visit tinyurl.com forward slash the daily 202 and take a listen. And we're back, Olivier Knox, new anchor of the Daily 202 at the Washington Post. You can find the Daily 202 by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash the daily 202 and follow Olivier on Twitter. His handle is at O Knox, O-K-N-O-X. Olivier, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, let, let's talk about um, the, the Capitol riot. A, a lot has been coming out in recent days. We've seen a lot of different videos um, we're hearing a lot of information from some that have been arrested thus far. Um, one of the things is how close uh, some of these uh, rioters came to Vice President Mike Pence, and, and some of them clearly uh, wanted to capture and murder him because they felt that he was a traitor um, in upholding the outcome of the uh, free and fair elections that we had in this country. Can you speak to that? It was a very, very near thing. Um, he was uh, hustled off the Senate floor into a, a secure area at about 2.13 p.m. Eastern. At about 2.14 p.m. Eastern is when um, the, uh, the, 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 the rioters basically reached an area just a few feet from the, um, the door to the Senate chamber. That uh, Capitol Police officer, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, but heroically led them away from the door to the chamber. But it was a it was a really near thing, and you remember that a bunch of these folks were chanting, um, you know, "Hang Pence" and things like that. Uh, yeah, that's right. Eugene Goodman is the name of the Capitol Police officer. Um, but so yeah, they were chanting uh, "Hang Pence." They were calling him a traitor, in part because the president, in his remarks, um, had misled them into thinking that Mike Pence could uh, constitutionally and reasonably. Uh, 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 basically overturned the election, sent it all back to the states, which was not true. Mike Pence had told him the day before that he wouldn't be doing that. He had issued a public statement the morning of saying he wouldn't be doing that. But Donald Trump told his supporters that, yes, it was all, all up to Mike Pence. And if Mike Pence would just do the right thing, then Donald Trump might have a, another four years in the White House. Uh, the, the, like I said, there's so much coming out. Um, there are congressional people, some who were former military who saw a tour being given the day before um, this riot and to the storming of the Capitol. And with COVID, tours have been very, very limited. Um, what are you hearing about that, perhaps beyond what some of us have, have already been told uh, via social media? Well, I've seen the, the public comments by Democratic Representative Cheryl, who has said um, she's accused some of her Republican colleagues of doing what amounts to a, a dry run, um, I have not seen. Um, I've not seen confirmation of that, so I'd be really, I'd be really careful. The um, the thing that a lot of people don't necessarily know is that the Capitol office buildings that ring the Capitol proper, um, basically on either side of the of the mall, the big green space in the middle of DC, the the Capitol office buildings are extremely open. If you show up, it, I mean. It, obviously a little bit different during the pandemic, but if you had showed up in January of, uh, of 2019, or actually even 2020, um, at the Cannon office building or at the Russell office building, you go through a magnetometer, but that's it. There's no, they don't, they don't check IDs, they don't take your name down, because the idea is that these people are supposed to be accessible to the voters. The Capitol is not like that. The Capitol actually really is secure. You can only get in with the right credentials, whether it's uh, one of those office holder pins or a press pass or a staff badge. Um, it's much tighter. So I don't know where 
I'm not quite sure where these tours are supposed to happen, but I, to my knowledge, at least, as we speak here today, I have not seen confirmation of these accusations. What about accusations that we're getting, um, uh, especially, um, you know, we, we hear from Ayanna Presley that, and, and her staff uh, that the panic buttons in her office have been ripped out. Uh, we hear from uh, Clyburn that he has two offices, one's on the third floor and doesn't have his name right. outside the door, and that who told him to go, who told these people where his office was, and, you know, possibly... Uh, we also know that what there's a couple of capital officers that have been suspended and ten more that are being investigators. Could you speak to that? Yeah, right. The, of those, um, I mean, obviously the 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 capital police officers who were suspended for doing things like taking selfies with the rioters, um, and those being investigated also you know, also notable. Let's not forget the uh, police and fire department members from all around the country yes. who apparently some of whom flashed their badges to try to get in. Um, the Clyburn thing is the one that really sticks with me. These are hard offices to find. Yes. They, they are not the, you the, and I have both been in those halls. I mean, yes. I know when I've had a meeting with a congressional member, uh, and I'm, I'm legally allowed to be there, how difficult it is to find unless somebody comes right. and gets me and brings me. Right. So that's the one that really stays with me. I mean, it's easy to find the speaker's formal offices. That's easy to find. But there are all these other offices, including Clyburn's, that are not easy to find. And what we're starting to see in some of these filings, court filings from federal and state officials, is that on some social media like Parler, these, um, some of these folks were sharing rather lavish maps of the Capitol, including the underground tunnels. Um, the, the whole congressional complex is an absolute labyrinth. I mean, the, the Capitol Visitor Center is basically, if you've ever had a dream in which you were being chased through totally anonymous hallways, it looks like the Capitol Visitor Center. Um, it's it, th There's a warren of tunnels underneath, and it looks like some of these folks were really prepared for that. Um, so yeah, the Clyburn thing really sticks with me. I haven't, the panic button thing sounds a little more complicated to me. I don't really know who would have gotten into the office to do that. Um, and, and nor how that would have helped necessarily, but finding Clyburn's office, you know, there are congressional reporters and congressional aides who would struggle to do that. Washington Post uh, reported uh, that Ali, uh, Ali, uh, Ali, excuse me, Alexander claimed that Congressman Biggs, Brooks, and Gosar actually helped plan this. He is still at large. Um, he is the Stop the Steal organizer, as you know. A couple of things here. One, do you find it odd that he, especially making these allegations, has not been found yet? I know we have a big country, but, uh, you know, I mean, the FBI is pretty darn good at, you know, ferreting out alleged criminals. Um, yeah, they can be. And then there are other times when it takes them a very long time. You remember Eric, the Eric Rudolph case? It can take them uh, take them a very long time to locate folks. Uh, I, I, I do. I find it a little bit odd, if only because one of the things that we are learning or relearning for those of us who follow surveillance tech pretty closely, is how much your phone is telling on you. Yes. Um, and and so you know you're getting you're getting these these heat maps that follow parlor users you know from the mall from the basically from up by the White House down to the Capitol and into the buildings and exactly where they went and you can so, so when cyber people. so when 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 cyber or internet um, experts are out there even on TikTok saying if you had your phone with you they know where you were in the building yeah. they know you were in the building they know where you where where you were when you left the building and they know where you are now as long as you have your phone with you and also a bunch of these super geniuses were posting videos and photos of themselves yes. inside the Capitol right so with their names. Uh, 
With their, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And where they're from. Um, so basically, I mean, this is the, I'm not sure that we will have seen a bigger, a, a, a larger quantity of self-incrimination uh, from any, from any, you know, any group than this. I mean, it's really remarkable. Uh, it also, if I could just put a quick parenthetical in, you are of course seeing some predictable, there ought to be a law responses mm -hmm. to this. Yeah. What we're seeing from the federal authorities is they've got plenty of power. They, if they can, in some of these federal documents, it's talking about unlocking people's phones and getting texts and geolocation and heart rate and everything else. Um, so I, you know, am I surprised that he hasn't been caught? I mean, I guess sort of, but what's really amazing is how many of these folks uh, really got themselves in trouble, not just through their actions, but, but because they did such a good job of documenting what they were doing. And, and put their picture out there. And how about, how about the guy whose ex-girlfriend is or ex-wife is like, I know who that is. Um, let's talk about Congressman uh, Biggs, Brooks, and Gosar and this allegation, this claim by uh, Ali Alexander. Uh, you guys put it out there. How much more do we know about this, A, and B, if in fact this were to be true, what type of a punishment within Congress and in addition federally could they be facing? Well, Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic House Speaker, said today in her press uh, appearance that uh, she essentially said there would be hell to pay, both inside Congress and outside Congress, which, of course, uh, implicitly means in the in the uh, the judicial in, in, in the justice system. Right. Um, if it turns out that they coordinated with these folks and um, accommodated or eased or um, conspired with the folks who stormed the Capitol, you would imagine um, at least censure at possibly expulsion. Um, some other kinds of punishment, coupled again, not that this is up to Pelosi, but coupled again with some uh, some potential criminal charges. But it, again, they, we probably won't we probably won't have a lock on that until they find uh, Alexander and can actually uh, question him about that. Yeah, and and then again, you know, I mean, you know, it, you know, is he telling the truth? Obviously, this Congress right. people you know, are, are going to uh, you know deny that. Lastly, we have less than sixty seconds, so. Um, you know, some Democrats in Congress, AOC, for example, they're worried that their colleagues are out for blood, that their colleagues might kill them. How real is this right now in D.C.? Well, we had sort of an unusual spectacle of some members of, uh, of Congress saying that they would actually pack on the House floor. Um, and a whole bunch of them ignored the magnetometers that uh, that, that were put outside the House floor to prevent exactly that. Um you know, it, I don't think this is the 19th century. I don't think we're going to have people getting challenged to duels. I don't think we're going to have one lawmaker beating another one to death with a cane. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I respect, I respect, after what happened on January 6th, I, I, I understand any member of Congress being worried for their lives. Especially people that are more targets or outspoken, like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And especially when you have some newbies who don't want to go through the metal detector or are already talking about impeaching Joe Biden and he isn't even president yet, uh, <laughs> officially. Uh, Olivia, always a pleasure. Happy New Year. So glad to have you with us. So congrats on the new gig. You can listen to The Daily 202 by visiting tinyurl.com forward slash The Daily 202. Olivier is the new host and anchor of that. Olivier is on Twitter. Also, follow him there. His handle is at onox, O-N at onox. O-K-N-O-X. I'm Leslie Marshall. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Wear your mask. Social distance. Do the right thing. Go through medical detector, detectors. Don't be children. I feel bad. Nancy Pelosi is like running a daycare center right now. Anyway, I'm Leslie Marshall. Olivia, mwah, love you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank Hope you. you.
The thing about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive. We don't even need the words the Home and Auto Bundle anymore to tell you that you could save big with a ring-tailed lemur from Progressive. Or that every hot peach cobbler comes with round-the-clock service and protection. And that's the thing about the goat with magic powers. You've heard a lot of ads about the sushi in Vancouver. See how much you could save with the Home and Auto Bundle <clears throat> with the Shaman in the Jungle from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Progressive Motorcycle presents Road Wisdom from the Motor. Half man, half motorcycle. If you missed a turn, there's always another turn. Take it to get back to the turn you missed. Use your turn signal. Progressive Motorcycle also presents Roadside Assistance. Progressive Motorcycle, for those who were born to ride. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.